Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Signs, Wonders, and Miracles. Tonight we're going to talk about how to interpret the supernatural signs that we're seeing. Welcome to the program, Pastor James. Well, thank you, Dorothy. Thank you again for inviting me on to the broadcast. I'm looking forward to see what the Lord's going to show me because it's something I, I didn't tell people. I normally don't write down those sermons or anything else. I might write down a word or two, but other than that, it's got to be done by the supernatural, by the Spirit of God. Other than that, I'll mess up. <laughs> oh, I tell you, this has been a great day for me because there's no snow here in Kansas City. And because there ain't no snow, I'm happy. <laughs> Every day I get up and I don't see no snow, I'm glad I didn't go to Florida now. Because I, I intend to be in Florida when it starts to snow. I tell you, talking about signs uh, and how to interpret supernatural signs, it's not an easy thing unless you're spiritual yourself. Because the world looks at these things and says, oh, this ain't true. Oh, this is just something you're making up. Uh, I don't believe it. But those that are spiritual and have been spiritually taught, then it's easier for them to understand how you can uh, interpret the signs of the time, the signs of the Bible, and how that we can supernaturally understand things different than the world does. Now, the world looks at something in the Scripture, and they'll take it literally. Well, some things in the Bible is literal, but there's some things in the Bible that are symbolic. And because they're symbolic, we have to learn the meaning of it. Like uh, when it, with the thing about the Bible, they have what they call the first precedence. In other words, if this thing is used, uh, a certain word is used in the Bible in the beginning, then you use that same word all the way through the Bible. But with Hebrew words, it can be 10 different words at the same time. So you have to look to see if there's another interpretation. For the Bible always interprets itself. But if you don't let the Bible interpret itself and let you start having thoughts and saying, well, the Holy Ghost is telling me this. The Bible already came up to that and said there is no such thing as a private interpretation, that the Bible always interprets itself. So if you get an interpretation and somebody else gets an interpretation and they're not the same, then it is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was the one who wrote the book, so he knows what's in here, and he's not going to go against what he says. One of the things that we have to do, as I said, we have to let the Bible interpret itself. There's always something. If you can have, um, well, the way you interpret the Bible is, first of all, for signs, is what the Bible says itself. It says in Isaiah, I think it's the 28th chapter, and the ninth verse is, who wants to know knowledge? Well, this is how you get knowledge. Precept must be upon precept. Then it repeats it again, precept upon precept. Then it says line upon line. Then it says it again, line upon line. And what you have to do is as you look at these things, here a little, there a little. So that means you've got to skip around from what the what books that you have to let the Bible interpret itself. So let's say uh, the Bible says, Thou shalt not kill. Now, a lot of people will make a doctrine on that and say, okay, then you can't kill nothing. You can't kill no bugs, can't kill no animals, can't kill no trees, can't kill nothing that's living because it says thou shalt not kill. But to learn 
there is another scripture that says that you shall not shed innocent blood. Then there's another scripture, but you have to skip around to find it, that you shall not be a man or a woman killer. So now that you got those, those uh, precepts together, and if they all got to fit, then you understand that means I cannot be a innocent, I cannot kill innocent people, man or woman. But it didn't say I can't kill for food like an animal, or it didn't say I can't kill ants or anything else. It says I can't be a man or a woman killer of innocent people. All right. So let's look about how to interpret the uh, signs, supernatural signs, through the Bible's interpreting in itself. Sometimes, as I told you, it's literal, and sometimes it's symbolic. So let's go to Luke, the 12th chapter, and the 54th verse. Luke, the 12th chapter, and the 54th verse. Now it starts off as this. It says, and he said also unto the people, since it's written in red, we know it's Jesus talking. And he's talking about how to discern or judge or interpret signs and wonders or signs of the Bible. Here it says, it says, when you see the clouds rise out of the west, Straightway you say, there's a shower, and it is so. When you see the south wind blow, you say, there shall be heat, and it comes to pass. You hypocrites, you can discern the face of the sky and of the earth, but how is it that you not discern this times? So let's look at that. Let's go back and look at that, what it really says. This is literal and not symbolic. It says, when you see the clouds ride out of the west, straightway you say, there comes a shower. And then he answered it. He said, and so it is. So if you look up and you're seeing these clouds rising out of the west, and you, you don't have to figure out anything because you already know clouds come, straightway he says it's going to be a shower. And it's so. It says the same thing with the other thing. It says, when you see the south wind blow, and we, he has it down here as see, but it means to feel. When you feel the south wind blow, it says, there shall be heat. And it comes to pass. That's literally because when you're outside and it's about 70 degrees, and all of a sudden you feel the, the wind coming up from the south, south brings up heat. And so you feel the heat. So he's trying to tell these people, now, if you can discern that, you should be able to discern some spiritual things, too. That's why he said, you hypocrites, which means an actor or somebody pretends. You can discern, and the word discern means judge, the face of the sky and of the earth. How is it then you cannot discern the, the times? In other words, whatever he says, is, if it's literally or spiritual, and sometimes it can be both, Spiritual and literal. Now he says, let's turn over to uh, uh, Mark. Uh, no, let's go to uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter. Matthew, the 24th chapter. Always remember, if you don't hear anything else on this broadcast, that the Bible always interprets itself. So we're trying to get into understanding the times and what is supernatural 
and what is literal so that we can discern it and know what's coming up on our time right now. Because when people go around and say, we're in the last days, we're in the end of the age, then they have no proof. And everybody's been saying it's the end of the age, end of the age, but it hasn't came yet. But if you discern or let the Bible in, uh, discern for itself, interprets itself, you'll see where we're at. And here it is, uh, Matthew, the 24th chapter. It says, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him to show him the building of the temple. Because there were two uh, temples that had already been built. Well, this was the second temple. There was uh, Solomon's temple, and this is Herod's temple. There is supposed to be a third temple built. You need to know that because that will help you to discern what's getting ready to happen and where we're at. And it says, and Jesus said unto them, see that not all these things, for verily I say unto you, you shall not, shall, there shall not be left uh, there one stone upon another that shall not be hewn down or thrown down. Now, when we look at that, that is uh, literal. He's talking about a building. But he's also talking uh, spiritual. Now, the thing is, you got to understand that when it says one stone be not left upon the other, there's a part in the Bible that says we are living stones. We're the living stones. Well, and back in the old days when Jesus was there, he was talking about the Jewish being a nation. And after 70 AD, uh, this king came in and destroyed Jerusalem, and there was not left one stone on top of another. And the Jewish people was ran out of Jerusalem. So there was not a temple left then at that time. Jesus, what he said, was literal and spiritual, what was getting ready to happen. And he said upon the Mount of Olives, disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? There's a question. And what shall be the sign of thy coming? There's a question. And the end of of the world, or another word for world is the end of the age. We have different dispensations or different ages that we go through in in the course earth. Right now, they want to know what's going to be end of the age when everything's going to be over. Right now, we're in the middle of, well, we're in the uh, time of when the Gentiles are controlling the earth. But there is going to be a time that God's chosen people, the elect, will take over the earth and will have a thousand-year reign. So in other words, always remember, the Bible always interprets itself literally, spiritually, or both spiritual, literal at the same time. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Well, there's a lot of uh, people out here that's going to be tricked. They're going to be fall to the wiles of the devil. They're not going to be prepared. That's why I tell people, you need to get prepared. You need to know what the Bible says and what what is the signs getting ready to happen on this thing so you can prepare yourself. It says, for many shall come in my name, or the word name means authority, saying, I am, the, I am Christ, or the anointed one, and shall deceive many. You shall hear wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet. For nations shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. 
and there shall be famine and pestilence and earthquakes in dire or different places or various places. Let's go back to there. So let's see what this Bible is telling us. Remember, look at it. Natural, spiritual, or spiritual, uh, supernatural, I'm sorry. For it says, nation shall rise up against nation. When did that happen? It's already happened twice. Now, you got to remember, when Jesus wrote this, there was no such thing as uh, the United States and all these other uh, 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 kingdoms. But since that time, he prophesied, and these kingdoms have come to pass. we got and nations and stuff. So here it is. It says, nations shall rise against nations. When did nations do that? World War One. World War Two, kingdom against kingdom. When did that happen? From that point on, uh, is the kingdom of light versus the kingdom of darkness. And there'll be famine. If you look around, there are places now that more people have been unemployed, have no place to stay, homeless, pestilence and earthquakes. In other words, all kinds of uh, diseases up on this earth. I don't care if you're rich or poor. Diseases have no eyes. They'll attack anybody. So here we're seeing a lot more of this earthquakes in dire or different places. All these are the beginning of sorrow. What is he talking about, the beginning of sorrow, that the Bible always interprets itself? Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. Now, that's the second time he done said that. So anytime God says something twice, you need to pay attention. And because iniquity or sin, that's what iniquity is, shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that endures to the end, the same shall be saved. So let's go back and let this thing interpret itself. He said, these are the beginning, in the eighth verse, he said, these are the beginning of sorrows. When you see all these things happening, Jerusalem was under attack. The people turned against themselves even when they were being captured and stuff. They turned against their parents. They turned against their children. In fact, the biggest uh, betrayal was this man named Josephus. He was a general in the army of the Jews. But he knew they were getting ready to lose, so he turned himself in and asked to live if he could be a historian. So that's how the Jews got the book of Josephus. Josephus was one who turned on the people that he could live and write, and write a history book, and they allowed him to live. And at that time, everybody's coming in like, Caesar, I'm your God. I'm your Savior. Nobody can save you except me. And anybody who didn't swear allegiance to to uh, Caesar got killed. Well, there's been Caesars all through the book. That's why it says Antichrist, the one who says he's the anointed one, but he's not. He's the one that leads us to destruction. And there's many of them. That's why you have to arm yourself with the word of God. You've got to have the word of God in you so you can interpret the signs of what's happening and the, the seasons. A seasons mean appointed times. So that's what you want to know. But it says, uh, on the 13th verse, it says, but, oh, yeah, I skipped that 12th verse there. It says, because the uh, sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's because 
instead of us loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves, our morality has went downhill, just like he said he would do. People don't love people like they used to anymore. They don't try to help people like they used to. It used to be as you living on a farm and your farm burned down, all your neighbors would come there to help you to restore that farm. If you lost somebody, all your neighbors would bring food and stuff to help uh, through this crisis that you're going through. But they don't do that no more. And they say, hey, that's their problem, not mine. Turn away from people. Not all people are doing this. But the more you see that, it, that's why it says, shall abound. In other words, you'll see it grow more and more and more. But it says, he who endures to the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel shall be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations, and then shall the end come. So in other words, he's saying, literally, this is going to be preached. Literally, the end will come when everybody has heard what's getting ready to happen. And what it means, go back what you just got through reading about how the love of many shall wax cold, how people will turn against themselves, family against themselves, nations against nations, uh, kingdoms against kingdoms, famine and all that. That's what it means. Go back and read that. He said this is going to happen. These are the beginning of the signs of the time. So are we in, in the first are we in the middle, or are we really at the end of the age? That's why we keep on here. It says, it says uh, when therefore, the 15th verse, when there, you therefore see these abominations of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, we, whoever reads this, let him understand. Knowledge is power. The Bible tells me. My people perish for what? Lack of knowledge. You need to get knowledge. You need to get the understanding. You need to get wisdom. It says, then let them that be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let them which is on the housetop come not down to take anything out of their house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that's with child and to them that gives suck. In other words, having babies in those days. But pray that your flight be not in winter, neither on a Sabbath day. Sabbath day means on a Saturday for us. And then shall there be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world till this time. No, not ever shall be, except that the days should be shortened. Uh, there shall no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Thank God for the a guarantee. He said those days shall be shortened. Because if we did, if we let things go on the way it is, the world's going to eventually destroy itself. The people who are right now, let's say, uh, that's for uh, y'all might have to get mad, but those people that goes for abortions and stuff, those people that say, oh, man should love man and woman should love women. You got to understand if you don't have a replacement, somebody having kids, you go against them, the world's going to die. We've got to have replacements. Kids are our replacement. And the two of you become one and you love each other and you bring that child up in love and kindness and stuff, the world will change. 
But if you be, bring up that child beating and screaming at them and everything, but everybody's not going to be black that way. That's why I said, listen, people need to go back to what the Bible says, live with true morals, live with good morals, good uh, conversation, because the more you curse somebody, the more that curse is going to come back upon you. And it's not upon you only, but it comes back upon the nation. This is why we, as people of God, we really got to teach our kids how to love one another. We got to teach others who don't receive love how to love, and then teach for them to teach people how to love. And how do you love? Is that you do what is right. That's what we call righteousness. It says, then it says, when this stuff happens, don't go back on your house. Don't go back into your house. Don't go back into the field because this stuff is going to happen. Well, I want you to know it already happened. In 70 A.D., the people of uh, the nation of Israel was broken apart. They ran into different nations, different areas to escape the persecution that was going on. And in the last days, it happens again. But God has promised. That's why you have to go back and look at the rest of the scriptures. Here a little, there a little. Got to search around. There is a book in... uh, in uh, Psalms that says that a, who can make a, uh, a nation in one day? And let's ask a question. Only God can. And that exact thing happened in 1948, May the 15th. After almost 2,000 years, Israel became a nation overnight. The Bible always interprets itself. The Bible has uh, signs that you look for, and these are the signs. That if somebody's telling you something in the natural, look to see if it's supernatural. It could be both at the same time. But check. Use the Bible as your reference. Skip here. Skip there. Put it together. That's why we need the Old and the New Testament. It will interpret itself if we'll take time to study. And it says, uh, the 20th verse. Uh, let me see. What is that? No, let's go down a little farther here. Uh, the 23rd verse, it says, Then if man, any man shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false pro- uh, Christ and false prophets, and shall show thee great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it is possible, they shall deceive the very uh, elect. That's the third time he done warned us. Be careful, false prophets, false teachers. He's warning us to let you know it's going to be a continuous thing. It's not going to be one day and all of a sudden God's going to show up here and everything's good after that one time. But he said these things are going to happen in the meantime, looking for the signs, looking for the signs. Then it says, um, then it says, behold, I have told you before. See, he goes back and let you know, I already warned you. And he wasn't talking to them. He was talking to the people that would live after them. All these 2,000 years, which we have, uh, the Jews have been going through stuff, and not only them, but those that believe in Jesus Christ, the true believers, have gone through persecution and stuff. And all these things have been happening. But you've got to understand, the Bible says, if you're going to rule and reign with me, you must suffer with me. So we're the, the living stones, the living stones that was cast down. We're trying to rebuild ourselves back up with the Holy Spirit being our master builder. It says, uh, the 26th verse, Wherefore, if I say unto you, 
Behold, he's in the desert, go not forth. Behold, he's in the secret chamber, believe it not. For as the lightning comes out of the east and shines even unto the west, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, I'm trying to tell you, this has already happened too. The Vatican said that they, this has been uh, years back, at least 20 years back, they said that Jesus was in a secret chamber in the Vatican. The Vatican didn't even exist, but yet and still, here's Jesus prophesying. This is what we call uh, literally. He's saying this is thing going to happen literally. But he said these are the signs that's going to happen to let you know supernaturally. That's why I'm saying to, to know, that, know that there's signs are for literally, spiritually, or literally spiritually, or the supernatural. It says, for wherever the carcass is, there is the eagle shall be gathered together. In other words, another name for eagles is birds or vultures, meat-eating uh, uh, birds. And right now, if you notice, there's been more and more birds growing uh, all out in the atmosphere, more birds. It was, I was riding down through Kentucky, and all of a sudden there were so many birds in the air, the sky darkened. And I don't mean two or three hundred. I'm talking about thousands all flying at the same time. And these are meat-eating so they, it's getting you to know, are we in the middle? Are we at the end of where the tribulation is getting crowned? It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall fall from the heavens, and the power of heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear a, the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Has that happened yet? No. It hasn't happened yet. Problems have been happening on the earth, but we're still waiting for those times when the sun shall be darkened and the moon shall not give her light. It shall be coming to where we will have three days of complete dark, darkness upon this earth. Now, is it done by God or is it done by man? It could be possible that man could do it his own self, ruin his own self, what they call these uh, M EMP bombs, where take out all your electricity. I don't care if you got a car or you got a generator. It'll, when that thing goes off, all that stuff will melt down. And this is another reason I tell people, get yourself a parrot. Get you, have you some water in your house. Have some canned goods in your house. Don't no telling how long that might last. It might last three days. It might last six months. And if you don't believe what I'm saying, look these things up for yourself. Look up what an EMP bomb is and what the effect of it is. See, Jesus already knew, and he prophesied and told us what to look for, and we, we need to be looking. And then when he told us something, uh, immediately after those troubles, it didn't, say, uh, it didn't say, then this is going to happen right then. No, it says those other things are going to happen first about the false prophet, prophets and false Christ and everything else, which has already done happen. Then it tells you then there's going to be a trouble. The tribulation, that's what trouble, tribulation means, trouble. When the sun will not shine, the moon shall not give her light, the stars shall, uh, shall fall from heaven, and the power of heaven shall be shaken. And then it talks about Jesus coming back, and the people will see him coming back, and they'll be willing and a gnashing of teeth because they did not believe that Jesus is who he says he is. 
Then it says here, and he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and shall gather together his elect from the four corners, from one end of heaven to the other. Now, is that literally or is that spiritual? It is literal spiritual. What's getting ready to happen, what 31st verse is talking about is what we call the rapture. They're catching up. It's going to be a time when the sound of a trumpet, and even the Bible interprets what it means, the sound of a trumpet. You have to look at the other books. And that when this says he's going to send them out together, his elect from the four winds and from one end of the heaven to the other. Now, it's talking about things spiritually and naturally. Now, what are we talking about naturally? He was talking back there 2,000 years ago that uh, a sign of his coming, a sign of that the end times is starting, is when uh, Israel becomes a nation. Those are what he called his elect. They shall be brought into one land. And that happened, as we said, May the 15th, 1948. Then he tells you, I'm going to give you another sign to look for. That's what we're looking at now, 32. It says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When the branches are yet tender, put forth its leaves, know that summer is nigh. Well, the word for fig tree, as I told you, it has also been used in the Old Testament. The fig tree represented Israel. So here it is. The word parable means a hidden meaning. Look for the sign and let the sign explain itself. That uh, when it's yet tender, it's just starting to come back into a nation and put forth its leaves, know that summer is nigh. In other words, the judgment's going to be coming. So likewise, when you still see all these things, know that it is near, even at the door. For verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So let's look at what he said there. He said, this generation. So now to interpret that sign is to learn what is a generation. A generation can be 20 years. It can be 40 years. It can be 50 years, like uh, Jubilee, the year of Jubilee. It can be uh, 70 years. He said that, uh, that you could have 70 years and 10 more with strength or live to be 80, though, so they can be 70 or 80. Um, it can be 100. And it can go up to 120. And if you notice, very, very few of I've ever heard that's lived past 120 years. So, with, so whenever that time started, only God knows what generation is he talking about. And so from 1948 to 2048, that is a generational. And a lot of times, uh, knowing what the scriptures teaches, that 10 means wholeness, wholeness. So 10 times 10 means it is done, it's over with. So it's possible. Then I'm not setting dates or anything that before year 2048, Jesus can come back. But he did say I would shorten the time. So that could be even shorter than that. And we're not too far from 2048 if you look at it. But he said, this generation shall not pass until all these things be fulfilled. It says, uh, the 20, 30, uh, 36th verse, well, let's go back to the 35th verse. 
It says, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Well, if you understand what it means, that it has to be interpreted. This is a sign what God says is going to happen. But you have to understand what does it mean that uh, the angels of heaven do not know, neither does he, but his Father only. You'd have to understand Jewish customs. And what it is, it talks about a marriage. And we've all, you know, if you study the Bible anywhere, you learn that it talks about the marriage a lot in the Bible. So, in other words, it's the Father who says, the house is built. Go get your bread. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you, and then I'll come back for you so that you can be with me too. So, in other words, he's building a place for each believer so that we will live with him wherever he is, either in heaven or or on earth. It says the uh, next time, it's another sign. Here it is. 37. But as the days of Noah was, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the day that they were before the, the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And they knew not or they did not realize until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. So in other words, he's giving us another sign. He said, now look at this. When you see what used to happen in the old days, how sin abound. Remember, I told you the Bible always interprets itself. It already said that in the end times that the love of many shall wax cold. That's what happened in the days of Noah. They were... uh, Marrying, giving them marriage, in other words, working and everything, having a job, but they were so, um, their morals were so bad that they were having sex with animals, little kids, each other, you know, in other words, man with man, woman with woman, and they didn't think anything was happening. In other words, the Bible says, and they looked upon it and said, well, God not is not looking, so he ain't paying attention, or the other said, there is no God. Because if it was God, God would step do something. But the Bible always interprets itself. It says that God is long-suffering. And he, his will is not for any to perish. He wants all to be saved. And so because he waits so long, that everybody thinks, oh, there ain't nothing going to happen. They always say that he's coming, but it, it's still as the days they used to say they still ain't came yet. But it said that the day that when Noah was in the ark and did not, the people did not realize until the flood came and took uh, Noah and his family away and the animals. And it says, so shall also the son of man be. So in other words, when Jesus comes back, the rapture, people say, I don't believe in the rapture. I don't care if you don't believe in it or not. The Bible says it is. I done read you the scriptures to let you know where it is. Look for the rapture. And, and look for the hard times that's getting ready to keep up on this earth. I pray that we all get out of here, too. Then it says, the 40th verse, it says, Then shall two be in the field, one be taken, and the other one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One shall be taken, and the other left. Watch you, therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord does come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in which hour the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered or allowed his house to be broken up. Therefore, be you ready. In such an hour you think not, the Son of Man comes. In other words, 
when you're not thinking that Jesus is going to show up, this is when he's going to show up. Uh, I remember one time his, his name is R.W. Schambach, and they said, do you know when Jesus is coming back? He said, yes. I know approximately when he's going to come back. He said, when? He said, when you think not. In other words, the Bible says he's confirmed it by saying, when you think not, that's when he's going to come. Well, thank God he hasn't came yet. He's given us time to get ourselves ready to understand that, hey, we're going through things, and the, the Bible is right, and everybody else is wrong. Right now, let's continue on here. Equal to son of a high. Um, 43rd, uh, 44. Well, let's go 45th. Whom then is faithful and wise servant, those who his Lord has made rulers over his house, to give them in due season. Due season means assigned or appointed times, okay? Blessed is the servant whom his Lord, when he comes, shall find him doing. Verily I say unto you, <clears throat> excuse me, that he that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But if, but and if the evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delays his coming, and shall begin to beat his fellow servants to eat and to drink with the drunken, the Lord of that servant shall come in the day when he's looking not for him and in the hour which he is not aware of him and it shall be cut asunder and appointed him as a portion with the hypocrites then there shall be a weeping and gnashing of teeth I mean he gives us warning after warning sign after sign if we look to see what's going on Israel became a nation Israel got their their uh, state capital back in 1967. That was in within the, the 100, 100 years. So they got it back. Things that when he says start looking for these things to happen, if you go to Israel, you'll find a lot of birds over there now. But it's not just for there, but it's also for us. Everywhere you look, there are birds now, birds that eat flesh. It also says that uh, in the end times that uh, – that people will turn against people for money. I, I heard about this man. These two men killed their mother and father so they can get money, the insurances. You read about those things every day, somebody killing somebody over anger or jealousy or strife. Everything what the Bible teaches is not to do, that's what people get killed over. If you notice, all the way in the back of the Bible, all the way to the beginning, when uh, Cain and Abel was on the earth, Cain killed Abel over jealousy. This is the world. This is the world. Anger, hate, jealousy, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, the pride of life. It came in when Adam and Eve ate of the forbidden fruit that was on the tree. Now, if you go back and read Genesis, you'll find out it didn't say trees. It said tree. But God uh, said it has seed upon itself. Well, just like grass, it says seed for that. In other words, each blade of grass has a seed for itself. So does each tree has a seed for itself. And the seed that was in these two trees, one was the seed of living forever. The other one was for uh, good and evil. 
When evil entered into our area, that's when death came. Before then, there was no death on this planet. There was nothing that ever died. Everything was still living. I don't care if you ate an apple. The apple would repair itself. That's the way it is in heaven. I'm telling you because I've been there. Everything replaces itself. It does not die. But here on earth, since we violated the law, and the law says for those who sin, it brings forth death. And God warned Adam before it happened. He also warned Eve. A lot of people said, well, he didn't tell uh, Eve. He just told Adam. No, he warned both of them. You got to have the scriptures to understand he warned both of them. The Bible always interprets itself. And so when they did that, they came into agreement and they gave up their, their position on this earth. Adam was a god. Go back and read about the, uh, the, uh, the blood, family bloodline of uh, Jesus, and you'll find out after it gets down to at the end, it says, and Adam was the son of God. He was a God. And he gave up his right thinking that he's going to get more power by listening to the adversary, which was Satan. And he has a lot of different names besides Satan. Satan just means the adversary. And there's a lot of different Satans, and they have different rules and stuff. But you got to look for their sign. What is their sign? They come to steal, kill, and destroy. How do they steal? By lying on people? By uh, putting falsehoods, slandering people? You, stay, you see those kind of people, get away from them. If you're in a dead church, and I mean a dead church, you don't see no miracles there, get out of that church. And get to one where you see miracles and make sure they're not lying miracles or signs, lying signs, because the Bible already told us what to look for. As I say, interpret the Bible with the Bible. Interpret dreams with the Bible. Interpret signs with the Bible. Interpret times with the Bible. It will give it to you. But you have to study it. That's why it says, study to show yourself approved that a workman need not be ashamed, but rightly divide the word of truth. In other words, God don't like lazy people. So he wants you to study this thing. So as you study, he'll give you more revelation through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is your teacher. He's your guide. He won't tell you everything, but he'll guide you into all truths. And when you start seeing what the word says, then all of a sudden you're thoughts will be elevated and you'll see things differently. In other words, you will strive to do what's right. You ain't going to do it because you just have to do it. You got to live this thing. You strive to do what's right because it feels good to you. It feels like it's the thing I should do. If I see somebody sitting on the gutter, I don't spit on them. I go there and say, is there anything I can do to help you? But the world is so evil, you never know which person you go to. That's why you have to know what the word says. It says, ask for the gift of discerning, discerning of spirits. So you don't walk upon Satan's child because everybody on this earth is not God's children. Don't walk upon Satan's child talking about, I want to help him. No. Satan's child is Satan's child. The only people that are going to be saved is the ones that are brought, brought to the Lord and they, they got lost. And we're looking for our Savior. And there's only one Savior, 
and his name is Jesus Christ. And the reason it's one Savior, because the Bible always interprets itself, he said, in the end, they will hate, hate me for all nations. I read that already to you. And that they will not know the truth because they will talk evil about the truth. When they say there's many ways to God, no, there's only one way. Jesus said, and he is the word of God, that broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many go thereat. Now, if he says there's many, how many is going? If he said narrow is the way that leads to eternal life, and few, F-E-W, few that find their way thereat, that means this is something you've got to look for. You've got to look for your Savior. Your Savior is the Word of God, and he is a person, and he has, has feelings. He has emotions. He's just, he made us in his image and in his likeness. So you know what makes us mad, then you want to do things the opposite to make nobody else mad. You know what makes you happy, you look for things that will make other people happy. And since we cannot go up into heaven and show God our love for him, we got to show love one to another. That's why I said the signs will show what generation we're in, what time these things are going on right now. We're looking for that generation that's going to love God again. It's going to come. It's going to come. That nation, that those people that love God, is going to be one more revival. I, I know it's going to happen, and when it does, after that, the judgment. Those that have made themselves ready, those that have studied the word, those that have become familiar in how to read the signs and times, they're the ones that are going to go up. But you could be like those, those virgins. Five was wise. Five was foolish. The wise studied. They had fuel. They had fire. The foolish ones didn't study, and they let their light go down. They let their light go out. Then they tried to come to the wise and say, give me some of yours. Mm-mm. So I'm saying, you had time. You need to study for yourself and be on fire. Same thing I'm telling y'all now. Be on fire for God, for you know not when your 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 master comes. All right, let's keep on reading here. You go to Sunday the Hive. We have Matthew the twenty fifth chapter. And let me see where I want to get here. In fact, about let's read about the. Uh, I just got through talking about the five wise and the five foolish. But let's read about it so you can see it for yourself. Now I already gave you the understanding on how to interpret it. Now let's. I'll read it to you and let you interpret it for yourself. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be like ten virgins who took their lamp and went forth to meet the bridegroom. I talked to y'all earlier about this is about a wedding. This is about a wedding. This is all uh, symbolic, but it's also natural. Okay. Five of the wise and five was foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them didn't take their Bible, didn't take the learning, didn't take the scriptures, didn't try to learn. But the five uh, five wise, the wise took oil and their vessel with their lamps. When the bridegroom tarried, they slumbered and sleep. The Bible says that he'll come when you think not. When you're tired and he ain't going to show up, this is when he's going to show up, but be prepared. It says, and at midnight there was a cry, behold, the bridegroom cometh, Go you out to meet him. Then all the virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and said, Not so, lest there not be enough for us and you 
and you, but go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourself. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Did you notice? The door was shut. In other words, there's going to be a time when salvation is going to stop. Get saved while you hear the word today. Don't say maybe tomorrow. Uh, uh, tomorrow may be too late. It says afterwards came also the other virgin saying, Lord, Lord. Now, you remember they said, Lord, Lord, and they said, he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But that's a precept, and you got to understand how the, you have to uh, be able to interpret it literally and supernaturally. Well, there's the door has been closed, according to them, and said, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man cometh. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country, whom called up his servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, and to another two, and another one. And to every man according to his ability or individually ability, what they could handle, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received of the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. In other words, what he had been given, he went out and earned more money with it or earned souls. That's what the Bible says. He who wins souls is wise. So that's why you need to be out learning the scriptures for yourself so that you can give every man, every woman, some boy or girl a word in due season. It may be those times for them to be found and for them to be saved. But if you ain't study, then their blood is going to be on your hands and your own blood. And the Bible lets you know there is a place named hell. I don't care what all these preachers say. Oh, there's no such thing in hell. They need to read the Bible for themselves and go back and see. You cannot play. I pick this part I want. That part I do not. I, this, my God, like this one preacher named Carlton Pearson, I love him. But he said, my God is not a, a God like that. Well, see, that's your God. The God of the universe is not your God. He is God all by himself. He doesn't need us. So whatever he says, that's what we believe. That's what we interpret. That's what we receive. It said, but he that had received and went and dug into the earth and hid his Lord's money. Then it says, after a long time, the Lord of the servant came and reckoned with them. And so that he had received five talents, came and brought another five talents, went out and won five souls, saying, Lord, you can remember that talent, is a uh, a sign of a soul. That's why you have to know how to interpret it. It says, came and brought the other five talents, saying, Lord, thou hast delivered me five talents. Behold, I gained besides thee five talents more. The Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast faithful over, uh, faithful over a few things. I'll make thy ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He that had received two talents, he came and said, Lord, thou hast delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents besides them. Now, you remember I told you with Hebrew words, it can be ten different words at the same time. That word talents can be money. But in this case, it's talking about souls. And then Lord said unto him, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler 
over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In other words, he bring two more people to me. But now here's this other one. Then he said, uh, there which he had received one talent, came and said, Lord, I knew thou art a hard man, reaping where you sow not, gathering when thou have not strawed. He said, I was afraid, and went and went and hid thy talent in the earth, and lo, there, uh, there thou has that that is that is thine. In other words, he said, "Listen, Lord, I didn't want nobody to know that I knew you, but uh, I was scared they would criticize me, they would talk about me and stuff. So I hid my talent that I could have won a soul, but I I just didn't want you to be angry with me either. So I didn't want. I thought if I just pursued myself, that'd be good enough." And his Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, lazy. Remember I told you, God doesn't like lazy people. Thou knewest I reap where I sow not and gather where I straw not. Thou art therefore come and put my money to the exchangers. And then came to my, and then at my coming, I shall receive my own at my, with usury. In other words, he was saying, listen, you could have did something else. You could have, Put that and got money. As I told you, the word talent can either be money or it could be soul. It's what you're knowing spiritually, okay? You need somebody to spiritually understand, or it could be interpreted by the natural part, money, all right? Then the Lord said unto him, you know, about being lazy and not trying to do something else, to win a soul. Well, then 27 said, thou art therefore to put thy money to the exchange, and then my coming, could I could have got my back or something, or you could have won somebody, but he didn't. Then it says, 28, it says, Then therefore the talents from which, take the talents from him, which was given unto him, which had ten talents. And to everyone that has, it has, shall be given, he shall have abundance. But from him that has, shall not, uh, but of him, has not shall thou be taken away from even those that had. In other words, it says, even the little bit that man had, it was taken away from him. His talent was taken away from him. And then it says, this is the punishment. Cast you into the, uh, cast you the improbable servant into outer darkness. There'll be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is outer darkness? The darkness in the Bible, it talks about uh, in Psalms 1, it says, study, uh, meditating the word day and night. Day means when you understand. Night means when you're confused. When you're thrown in outer darkness, you're confused. You'll be in a state that you cannot figure out anything. Yes, God will see you, but his wrath will be against you. God has a wrath. God has a laughter. God has uh, uh, emotions. That's the best thing to say. He has emotions just like we do, but he's the king. And the king, you shall obey. Then it says the 31st verse. It says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all of his holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall be gathered all nations, and he shall separate them one from another, the sheep divided from his sheep and from the goats. And he shall set his sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right, Come, you blessed of the Father, inherit the kingdom, prepare for you from the foundation of the world. And, they, and here's the thing. Now, look at it. As I told you, these are signs that's going to happen. In other words, 
This is the second time he talks about coming back in his glory. The first time is going to be the rapture. The second time he comes back is going to be set up his kingdom. How long would he be gone from the first time? The Bible says that uh, we're going to have a seven-year tribulation, tribulation period. Three and a half years is going to be at the beginning of Satan's kingdom being made. Where are we at now? Then it says afterwards it's going to be another three and a half years where it's going to be a great tribulation. Why do they use the word great? If you understand the first part of the revelation of the tribulation period is going to be the devil pouring his power upon the earth. He's going to rule and reign. And he's not kind. He's not nice. He has no mercy. But on the second half is when God's going to throw his wrath upon here. So now you're going to have the devil's wrath and God's wrath against you, those that they got left behind. This is why I tell people, strive to enter into the straight gate. Strive to enter in where God puts you. Do not go to the left, go to the right. Learn to do what's right. Righteousness means to do what's right. And when you strive to do that, you'll bring others to the kingdom. You'll win other souls because they'll watch you. But there'll be people that talk about you. There's going to be people that criticize you. Don't worry. That's just part of the thing that's happening with this earth. For the God of this world is Satan. But when Jesus comes back the second time after seven years, he will set up his millennium reign. The word millennium means thousand years remember i told you god deals i didn't tell you this but god deals with numbers that's part of helping to interpret what's going on if it says 10 it means wholeness if it says seven it means completeness if it says five it means mercy If it says one two and three we're talking about the trinity if we talk about uh nine we're talking about authority Authority upon this earth, a man and a man, God has given us power and authority. That's one of the things we're into now. The things that we have to look for is we're fighting a new set of demons, devils, demigods, giants. If you start studying these things, you'll find that they find the bodies of giants all around the world, even in the United States. And the prophecy is they're coming back again to rule and reign with the Antichrist, with Satan and his group. They'll be a part of that group. But there'll be things that you have not met before, things you have not prepared to fight before. This is why now is the time that things are happening. We're running against, uh, as I say, we're running against demigods now. If you look in Psalms, not, yeah, Psalms 82, You'll find out what a demigod is. It says where God judges among the gods. Well, those gods, what we call little g's, are called demigods. And they're showing up on the earth now. I had one that told me as I was doing the exorcism that uh, uh, he was from the the belt of Orion. Well, the Bible talks about Orion and Pleiades and a few other things in the Bible. But we let these things just go past our head. We don't study them out to find out what does this really mean. Just like Leviathan and, and Behemoth. You need to study those things out. They were one creature at one time and they were split. One was put in the ocean, which is Leviathan. Behemoth was put up on the land. But why? Because they are spirits. And they have their own army. And they're about to attack. This is why I said, if you're not living right for God now, this is the time you need to repent. You need to repent, renounce, and tell the Lord you want to live for him. 
and live for him. Don't just say it, but do it. Don't be a hearer of the word, but be a doer of the word. Then let's keep on. Let's get back to the scriptures here. It says um, that he's going to separate those that are what we call the uh, sheep from the goat or the tares from the wheat. Be wheat and not tare. And he said, now this is the thing. Here's the sign that we need to look for. So uh, Matthew, the 35th, I mean, 35th, I mean, 25th chapter in the 35th verse. For I was hungry and you gave me meat. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in, naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous, what is righteous, to do what's right, answers and said, Lord, when did we see you hungry and fed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? When saw we thee as a stranger and took you in, and naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick in prison and came there? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, and so much that it was done unto these little ones, least of these of my brethren, you have also done it unto me. Then shall he say unto them that's on his left, what do they call the goats? Why? Because sheep going, bah, bah. Okay, whatever you say, bah. But a goat always go right, but, but. But if you tell somebody in church something, they need to get changed with the first thing. But you don't know. I'm just only human. But God knows my heart. But you're a goat. Stop being a goat and learn to be a sheep. Then he shall say unto those on his left, the goat, depart from me. You curse it into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angel. For all those who say there is no hell, if Jesus says everlasting fire, what does that mean? Gehenna, which is a burning place. It doesn't don't as I told you with Hebrew words, it can be ten different words at the same time. So if Cause and Pierce never hears this, remember the place that burns that's in uh, it doesn't anymore in Jerusalem is a symbolic place, which was a literal place, which will be a symbolic literal again. All right, and then it says. Prepare for who? The devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, you visited me not. Then shall they answer him, Lord, when did we see thee hungry, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister or help you? Then shall he answer them, Verily I say unto you, Insomuch you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not unto me. Then they shall go away until everlasting. You know, this is that inclusive doctrine. People say, Well, God, this is hell here, and this is no. It said everlasting. We're not everlasting on this earth. It said everlasting punishment, but to the righteous, to eternal or in life eternal. Remember I told you it's a place you have to find, eternal life, and a few that find their way there at. You got to let the Bible give you the signs, the times, and then let it interpret itself. And remember, sometimes it's literal, sometimes it's spiritual, supernatural, supernatural signs. All right. You got any questions or anything you want to ask, Dorothy? 
No. No, the only thing I'm thinking about is the third temple thing. I know that was way back in the beginning that has to be mm-hmm. built. Is a, is a good example of um, literal and spiritual because we as Christians know we are the third temple. The third temple, you know, because he lives mm-hmm. in us, so we're the temple. But also, literally, to fulfill the other parts of the prophecy, there does have to be a physical third temple. But that's the only thing mm-hmm. that came to my mind. Well, right now, they're build, they have already built the temple. And they got it so they got it like a modular thing. So when they get the permission and when they find the land, because a lot of times they thought it was the welling wall was the uh, second temple. But the Bible says it was not left, not one stone on top of another. Recently, they found out that they have all been mistaken. It is not the Welling Wall, but where the temple was is a little ways down from there. So that way they don't have to bother the Dome of the Rock. So they're able to be able to build that temple. And the third temple is getting ready to be built. Then the other prophecy, what Jesus said, that... uh. Uh, and in fact, he quoted Daniel to let people know that Daniel was a prophet. He quoted Daniel and said that the abomination of desolation will be standing in in the place. In other words, he'll be standing in the temple. So if we don't, if that temple is not built, then he cannot stand in that temple. So the temple is getting ready to be built, and he's going to walk in that temple, and people are going to think that he is the Christ, the Son of the Living God, until he makes a claim that. I am, and when he says I am, that's God's thing. I am king of the universe, and my name is. Because Jesus said the other one will come in his name, and people will believe him. So here's this this uh, third temple, which is part of us, being built spiritually, but there is a literal temple that's also being built. And if you start searching the Internet, you can find it. Are there any other questions or any comments? Um, Just that I heard someone say, and I haven't really searched this out yet, but it's a scary thought to Mm me, is that when that person comes to sit in the third seat, spiritually speaking, that could be on our seat in us as the temple as well. So if we put someone else, you know, we allow someone else in there besides Christ, which may be difficult to avoid doing at that point in time, you know? Mm-hmm. Had you, well, had you heard we'll that be before? That, I hope so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. You know, I'm always looking for the things saying we're out of here, <laughs> but I don't want to be here. <laughs> so I, I always look for what... What God says about escaping these things, all these things that we can escape. We don't have to be a part of this family. In other words, the things that's getting ready to happen to others, we don't have to be here if if we have interpreted right now. As I say, each person got their own interpretation, but we should have one interpretation. The Bible interprets itself. We have to have more scriptures to read to see what does it says. So, yeah, as I say, I'll be studying late at night a lot of times about uh, the temple that they're getting ready to do. They're going to start the blood sacrifice again. That's because they don't believe 
that Jesus was their Messiah. So until they believe, they're still under the old law. They're not going to hell if they do everything that says in the law, which is 613, which is very hard to do. But there are some people that can keep the 613 laws. But that's why they said Simeon was a man of God. He went to the temple. Uh, and who did he look for? He looked for the Christ, which was Jesus. And Jesus appeared there as a little boy then. So say some people, and they call him a righteous man. There are some people that can do it, but not that many. That's why it says few. That's why it's better to be saved under the promises of God. It says that his wrath would not be upon it, but it be upon his son. And his son took the wrath, and then when he rose from the dead, it says, I rose with all power in heaven and in earth. And then the Bible says that God the Father gave all the judgment into his son's hand. So he'll be the one judging the quick and the dead. So it's all about making of our mind what we're going to believe and what we're going to accept and what we disrespect and what we respect. All these things that come into play. Well, let's turn to Second uh, Peter, the third chapter. Second Peter and the third chapter. Still looking at signs and stuff because you go to Sunday High. Well, let's go to Second Peter, the second chapter first, because as I said, Jesus, what Jesus taught, it was still being taught. Well, let me see. Let me go back a little bit farther. As I say, if God doesn't speak to me and I try to do it on my own, I will mess this thing up. <laughs> so let's go to First Peter. I mean, Second Peter, the first chapter, and the twentieth verse. Second chapter of Peter. I mean, Peter. Second, Second Peter, the first chapter and the twentieth verse. So this is just confirming what I've been teaching y'all. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is any any private interpretation. For prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but by holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Holy Ghost moved upon them. They got out of the way. The Holy Ghost showed them what to print, and they wrote down what the Holy Ghost told them. There is no private interpretation. But then the second chapter, let's start on that. It says, but there were false prophets also among the people, even as they shall be false prophets or false teachers among you, who privately shall bring in damnable heresy, even denying the Lord that brought them and bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow after their, their evil ways or persistent ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be Spoken of evil. In other words, it's, Jesus already said there's going to be false prophets and false teachers, and they're going to lead the people wrong. They were there in the in when the, the apostles were there. They're going to be here in our time. The evil continues to go on and wax worse and worse each generation. But there are a few people who are really searching God, who really want to be saved, who's willing to do what it says and go through trials and tribulations. See, people are always saying, well, once you save, everything goes perfect. That's a lie. <laughs> All hell breaks loose when you, when you start to turn toward Jesus and do what's right. As long as you're doing what's wrong and still calling on the name of Jesus, the devil ain't bothering you. 
But as soon as you start to turn and do what's right, suffer comes. Jesus said, you must be willing to suffer with me. I didn't say this. He did. You must be willing to suffer with me before you can reign with me. And the third verse says, through covenant shall they with sin's word make mer- merchandise or talk about you, whose judgment now is long lingering, but they don't know that it's, it's coming quickly when they least expect it. For God, if the uh, fourth verse, is, for if God spared not the angels that sin, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness and reserved them into judgment, and spare not the old world, but save Noah, the eighth person, a, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turn the city of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with overthrowing, making them an example of unto those that shall live ungodly. In other words, he's, here's the apostle that was with Jesus, Peter, right up under Jesus. He was one of the, the first ones he got. And he sat there, and he learned at Jesus' feet. So if he wrote this, then he learned it at Jesus' feet. He said that, that here they were, they, if God didn't spare the, first, the angels that sinned and cast them into hell, and, it, and the word hell could be Gehenna, but there's also in the grave, it could be a, a place called uh, Tartarus. There's a lot of things that, Hebrew words, I told you, it could be 10 different words at the same time. And he put them in chains of darkness and reserved them to judgment. When we casting out demons, a lot of times we uh, we use the pit and we put, we put chains on them. We put fetters on them. Why? Because the Bible says we can. Obey the Bible. Don't worry about man. Don't try to figure this thing out. Do what the word says. If God says he put chains on them and he said we have power and authority under his name, then we have power and authority to put chains on these things. We have power to lock them up. We have power to send them to the pit. And the pit is another word for hell. And then it talks about how the uh, wicked people, those ungodly people, how they was turned uh, into ashes and condemned and overthrown because they did not have uh, well, let me give you a little example about what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'll make it real quick. What really happened in Sodom and Gomorrah, they had judges. There were four cities that had judges. There was one that did not have judge, but their laws were unjust, unjust. Like if a person came into the town and they say you didn't have no place to sleep and you stayed out on the street and somebody invites you in and you come into their house and everything, and they, they help you get your uh, mule on or your, your traveling vehicle, whatever you had, to uh, take the things off of there and put it up for you, and, and then you they fed you and everything, you think that would be a good thing. But what they're doing is setting you up to be tr- tricked. That says, know the wiles of the devil. So when they got in, I was, I'm going to try to make this quick. Uh, when uh, the person got ready to leave, they said, oh, I see that because of what you – uh, he said, where's my equipment? He said, I had, uh, you know, I want to take it, I want to put it on my mule and take it with me. He said, what equipment? What you brought me in the house with? He said, no, you must have had a dream. You didn't have that equipment. Yes, I did. I want my equipment. No, you had a dream. He said, it was made of uh, red, had red on it, had blue on it. He said, yes, I'll tell you what it means. That's the dream you had. It's a prophecy. And the prophecy says that because 
uh, the red and greens means that you're going to live a long and prosperous life. So I just prophesied to you. I want my stuff. He said, no, I told you you had a dream. So you take it to the court. I mean, that's what I'm trying to tell you. It takes a little while to explain everything that happened. He took him to the court. He gets to the court, and he tells the judge, he says, listen, I, uh, I brought this stuff. The man took care of me, but uh, I wanted to pay him, but he did not give me uh, my stuff back. He, and the man said, well, you had a dream. It was nothing, and I prophesied what your dream meant. And so you owe me. He said, but I ain't going to pay you for my uh, interpretation of my dream. I'll pay you for my stuff. He said, you did not have it. You had a dream. And the judge, because he was unjust, that's where Psalms, um, I mean, Luke, the 18th chapter, the unjust judge, it was talking about Sodom and Gomorrah. That's because he feared not God nor man. He does the way he wanted to do, unjust. And so he said, well, since the man gave you prophecy and our law says, if he gives you prophecy, then you got to pay him a certain amount of money. He said, but he didn't get, he said, well, that's it. And he beat the man. The law beat the man. And that's why Silent Gomorrah was destroyed. There were four, five cities. Four of them was destroyed because they had unjust judges there. The one that's called Little was not destroyed because he had no judge, so they had no such laws. But that's why I said you got to know that the Bible always interprets itself. You got to know where to look. You got to be able to read what the scripture says. And so let's continue back here to the uh, second chapter and the um, the uh, fourth, uh, seventh verse. It says here, it says, and delivered just Lot, vexed with filthy, from the filthy conversation of the wicked. For the righteous man dwells among them in seeing and hearing, vexes his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. That's, you have to find out what that meant. That's why I just explained it to you. They were unjust judges in that land. They had unjust laws in that land. And this man's crying out to God, talking about, look what I'm seeing here. These people are ungodly and stuff. And as he was crying out, God came down to answer, and he destroyed those four lands, Sodom and Gomorrah and the other two. You'll read those in the Bible. The Bidish is the ninth verse, and God knows how to deliver the godly out of temptation and to reserve the unjust to the day of judgment to be punished. But chiefly, them that walk after the flesh is in the lust of uncleanness and despise government. Presumptions, they are, they are self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. In other words, when somebody's doing right, we are a dignitary or an ambassador of heaven. But they will talk bad about us, and that's what's going on now. So it's letting you know where we at, what time is it, are we near the end? The Bible lets us know these things that would happen before about to happen again. History always repeats itself. When it says Sodom and Gomorrah, it's, it's already done happened. Most of our cities have got all kinds of lewdness and uh, ungodly people making laws and stuff and doing the ungodly things and uh, like uh, – like Noah, he built that ark, and when the ark was finished, God closed the door and wouldn't let him in. It wasn't Noah. Noah's heart was let up, let him back in anyway. No, God closed it up. When when God says no, it means no. That's why he said with the unjust uh, by the unwise virgins, he closed the door. He didn't know them, and that's the same thing. You can start off right with God. You can have your name written in the book of life, 
But it also says in the book of Revelation, he will blot your name out. You can't be blotted out if you ain't written in. So this is why I'm telling people, this is not a thing to guess at. You better know what you're doing. You need to find the church that preaches and teaches what does the Bible say and not what they think. Don't go to those churches that just makes you laugh all the time and everything, and then you go out and the devil hits you and you don't even know how to fight. You need power and authority. you got to understand how to use that power and authority. Scriptures to use against which demons? What scriptures to use against which demigods? What scriptures to use against uh, Leviathan? Uh, a uh, Kundalini spirit. Most of you don't even know what a Kundalini spirit is, but you need to know about what is a Kundalini spirit and how to fight against it. Let's get to that eleventh verse again. It says, Where, "Whereas angels, which are not, which are greater in power and might, bring not a rebel accusation against them before the Lord." In other words, if you go back to the book of Jude, you'll find out where uh, Michael was fighting with uh, Satan over the body of Moses. And that's why I said the Bible always interprets itself. But the 12th verse says, But these as natural brute brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speaking evil of things they they understand not, and shall utterly perish in their own corruption. Knowledge is power. People perish for lack of knowledge. And shall receive the reward of the unrighteous as they are as they are counted at pleasure, as they are counted at pleasure and ride in the daytime, sporting they are and blemish, sporting themselves with their own deceiving while they feast with you, having eyes full of adultery, and they cannot cease from sin, beguiled, unstable soul, a, a heart they had ex, exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Now, if you look at what's going on, a lot of children are now going to the mental institutions. A lot of kids are going to uh, counselors and stuff. Why? Because of the way their parents live or their parents' parents. Because a lot of times you may do something wrong, and it might skip a generation, and it goes to the next generation. And if that generation doesn't teach the child what's right, then he does what he wants to do. And these schools nowadays, well, you don't have to listen to your parents. You can call family services. They give you a whooping and stuff. Look, the Bible says beat them. They'll not die. The Bible says reward them too so they don't get frustrated because if they mess up. So in other words, the Bible tells us how to do everything. We just have to search the scriptures. And then don't just search it, but do what it says. The, the, the more you look, because these are the signs of the end time you'll see a lot of people, a lot of the generation on their way to hell. You go to the clubs and stuff, you'll feel them, see them filled up. You go to these concerts and stuff, and you hear them cuss, cursing God and everything, and you're still sitting there jumping up and down and praising them. You praise man as an idol, idol worship, and you'll end up in hell. We should teach our children the truth, how to live godly lives and how they should find out how soon Jesus is coming back. Know the time. Know the season. Know how to discern. How to see what the what is being taught at that time. Now as I say, all you do is look at what it says. The 14th verse having their eyes full of adultery. Men going after other men's wives. Wives going after another man's, uh, another woman's husband and stuff. 
and thinking, well, I'm just weak and it's all right. God is not not pleased with being weak. He wants you not to be weak. He wants you to be strong. He said, let the weak say they're strong and exercise that and do it. So in the 15th verse, it said, for which forsake the right way and has gone astray, following the way of Baal, the son of Basar, who loved the wages of unrighteousness, but was rebuked by his own in his uh, iniquity or sin, the dumb ass speaking with a man's voice forbade the madness of the prophet. Then there are, these are wells without water, clouds they carried with tempest, to whom the mist of darkness is reserved forever. When they speak great swelling words of vanity, vanity means useless. They allude to the lust of the flesh through much wantonness. Those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. In other words, don't stay around these people that, hey, come on, let's go out here and party. Hey, man, let's do this dope. Hey, let's do this and do that. The Bible says these are the temple of the Holy Spirit, spiritually and naturally. Spiritually is what it talks about, that we are living stones. We're, we're the building that God is putting together, living stones. But naturally, we talk about Israel. What happened to them? They got destroyed. That nation got destroyed. The building that they worshiped at got destroyed. Same thing will happen to us if we don't turn from our wicked ways and turn to the living God and do those things that's pleasing in his eyesight. And it says, while they promise liberty, they themselves are the servant of corruption. For whom a man is overcome, the same is he that brought into bondage or slavery. For if after they had escaped the pollution of this world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. In other words, here God has taught them how to escape sin, and they then went back. They went back. You can lose your salvation. I heard people say, once saved, always saved. I believe the Bible versus what they're saying. I believe that the Bible interprets itself and doesn't need no private interpretation because the Bible says so versus their interpretation. I can't believe the God that I, I read about is an angry God. All you have to do is read the Bible. It says that he destroyed a whole world and saved only eight people. God wants perfection. He said it in his word. Jesus said that my God said, be holy as I'm holy and be perfect as I'm perfect. Don't try to figure it out for yourself. Your job is to obey what the word says. If God says this man is uh, is perfect in my eyesight, this man is uh, uh, upright, like he said about Job, then understand what did he do to be upright? Did he not speak good words? Look at Solomon. Solomon said, I did everything that I could think of in my mind, but I came to the end of it and said, and the conclusion of the whole matter is to obey God's command, to fear God and obey his commandments and do what he tells you to do. The Bible is written as a book, and the book is the one that teaches us how to live and how to overcome the things that we're going through and how to bless others. That's the main thing, blessing others, but not just everybody, because I told you, everybody's not God's son. Even Jesus told, he said, you are your father of the, uh, of the devil. 
Now, if Jesus called people somebody a devil, what does that mean? They're devils. There's a natural and a spiritual devil. He has a natural body, but he has an evil spirit inside. That's why it says the eyes. The eyes are the windows of the soul. If your eye is single, then your whole body is full of light. Light means understanding. But if your eyes are evil, then great is the darkness or confusion. And then when you're confused, you'll start interpreting things like the way you want to interpret. You'll use earthly knowledge versus heavenly knowledge, earthly way of figuring out things versus the supernatural of the Holy Spirit telling you things. And they write it down in the book, and his spirit does not fight against the word of God. The spirit and and the word are one. Understand the word, understand what the spirit teaches, and do what is right. Do what is right. It says, as I said, I hope I, y'all understand there's no such thing as once saved, always saved. It tells you several times over and over again. He said, I will blot your name out of the book of life. And then it says in the 21st verse, it says, For it had better for them they had not known the way of righteousness than afterwards they have, kn- have known it, turned from the holy commandments delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them according to the truth Proverbs, the dog turns to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed to her waddling in the mire. That's in the book of uh, Proverbs. So as I told you, it even tells you the Bible interprets itself. You want the interpretation? Go back to the back. Dog that eats his own vomit. And I, I've seen dogs eat their own vomit. I've seen dogs lick out of the toilet stool and stuff and then want to lick on people's face. I don't understand how people can do that, but, hey, that's up to them. But I'm trying to tell you, the dog is is a is a uh, a metaphor for what that God is saying that we are if we turn back to our sins. We're a dog. We're pigs. We go back to wallowing in the mud. What you've been brought out of, don't go back into it. I had uh, some, some of my daughters went to a nightclub before – before they stopped learning, stopped going to the clubs and stuff. And what did they see? They seen a big preacher in there, big name preacher. And my kids came back and told me, said, Daddy, we seen so-and-so, and we'll never go to his church. But how are you going to teach me nothing? He's out there partying in the club. And I'm kind of glad they did see it because it helped change them. They're no longer in the clubs and stuff. My kids are raising their kids, and I'm happy for them. <laughs> All right. All right, let's continue to read this so we can about be finished here. It says, the uh, third chapter, it says, This second atta- uh, epistle or letter, beloved, I write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure mind by the way of remembrance, that you may be mindful in, of the word which was spoken by the holy prophets and by the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Know, know this first that they shall come in the last day's scoffers, walking after their own love, said, Where is the promise of his coming? Since the, since the fathers had fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of, the crea- uh, of creation. And this be willingly ignorant of that by, by the word of God, that the heavens were, were old and the earth standeth out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. 
but the heaven and the earth by which now the same word is kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition for of the ungodly man. In other words, don't let these preachers trick you. Don't let them deceive you. They're, we're really near the end times because this is the end what he's talking about. Jesus is coming back for a church without spot, wrinkle, or any such blemish. He said that those that uh, continue in the way of the world will be burnt. They will be in hell. If you ever get a chance, there's a book called Divine Revelation of Hell by Mary K. Baxter. Buy it. Read it. She was taken to hell to see what it's like. Once you hear what those preachers went down there, a bunch of preachers in hell. Saying, Lord, I'll live right, I'll preach that. Oh, no, it's too late. Once the door is shut, in other words, when you are dead, it's over. There's no crying and said, Lord, I, I repent. There's, it's over. It says, when you death, it says, then the judgment. So that means if you did what's right, you go to the place that is right. You did what's wrong because you chose to do what's wrong. You go to the place that burns forever, everlasting fire. And then there's a great thing after that, and you don't even want to hear about that. You just need to hear about what's going on now. As I say, the time is time is winding down, and that God is who he says he is, that he is a loving God, but he's also a jealous God. And he doesn't want nobody serving anybody but him. But let's continue to read. Uh, in the uh, eighth verse, it says, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count his slackness, but is long-surfing toward us, but not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come upon thee like a thief in the night in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. That's the sound of the trumpet and the elements shall melt from feverish heat. The earth also and the works of that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought you be in all holy conversation and godliness? looking for and hastening until the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt away with feverish heat. Now let me show you about natural and supernatural. When it says natural, when it says about the heat and all that, let's look at the natural. What is anything that can bring that much heat upon the earth? We call it an atom bomb. We dropped it on Hiroshima and uh, another place in Japan, and they're still suffering today from that that was dropped back there in uh, World War II. These things that God says is going to happen, it's not going to just happen in those little places, but it's going to happen all the way around the world if God doesn't intervene with us, if God doesn't take us out of here. No flesh shall be left. That's why I said the Bible always interprets itself, but you have to seek these things out for yourself. Now, this is a natural thing. This is literal. But there is a spiritual thing that God is coming, and that the sound of the, uh, it says with fervent heat. Anybody knows anything about atom bomb? That's fervent heat. 
but it also says a sound of a trumpet back in the other time. God said the noise is going to be so deafening that you're going to think it's a trumpet that's blowing when that thing goes off. One-third of the world is going to be destroyed. It talks about one-third of the trees are going to be burned up. Literally, trees will be burned up. But uh, supernatural, trees represent people. So one-third of the people are going to die. Water is uh, is a literal thing. But it says that the beast shall come out of the uh, out of the sea. That being, it doesn't mean he's coming out of the water. He's coming out from among the people. You have to go back to what we said the first president. In other words, what was said first? Trees were used for people. Jesus even said uh, he prayed for this man. He said, "How do you see?" He said, "I see men as trees walking, literal trees, but they also spiritual trees. We are trees." We're trees in his garden. That's why he uh, mentions about cedars and stuff. He's talking about us. He's talking about us. When he talks about water, he said, uh, if I give you the drink, you will not drink, you will not thirst anymore. He talks about the living bread. If you eat of him, you will not die. But the people that ate in the wilderness ate of bread and they died. They were spiritual bread, but they still died. The thing is, Always remember, there is a literal, a supernatural or spiritual, and there is literal spiritual. It can be both at the same time. Search the scriptures for yourself. You think they talk about you? Jesus said they talk about him. He is the only eternal life, the only way to be saved, the only way that people can repent is through him, not through any other way. You can't work your way into heaven. You cannot talk your way into heaven. (laughs) You've got to do it the way Jesus says, and he is the word of God. So God's word says the only way you, you get saved is to come unto him, all that is heavy laden, and he will give you rest. In other words, once you understand, going back to Isaiah, the 28th chapter and the 9th verse, understand that precept on precept, learn what it says, and it says at the end it will give you rest. But if you don't understand, for lack of knowledge, it says those same things will be the same thing that will put you in a trap. So men are preaching one thing, but what does God's word say? Don't just listen to the word. Search the word out for yourself. Be like the Bereans. Search the scriptures daily. I don't care what preacher said. God wants you rich. Don't let him give you a half a scripture. Look at the rest of it. When it says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health as your soul prosper. See, they leave that part off, or they say it so quick you ain't listening. When God said, I want you to be prosperous and be in hell as your soul prosper, how do you, your soul prosper? By reading the word and obeying it, by studying the word and becoming a part of you, by having the Holy Spirit live in you. In other words, have, your, have the word and knowledge in you that you may be prosperous in all thy ways. That's why it says, told Joshua, do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. In other words, meditate on it day and night, and this will make your way prosperous. Now, that's what the word says. But see, you have to read it for yourself. That way, these preachers won't be able to trick you. Well, God wants me to have a brand new jet, $65 million, so I can take the word. $65 million, I can send 65 million people out <laughs> to preach the word to be in different lands where he can't be in no one time, but everybody else can be out there representing other 
other things that's been taught to them. That's why we're here to teach one another. Learn so that the next generation can teach. But if you teach them to learn covetousness, to look out for what, number one, what I want, what I want, what I want, you'll die. But if I teach you things like it brings you life, like the Hebrew alphabet, the, one of the things in the Hebrew alphabet is the letter represents ego. And when Jesus said crucify the flesh every day, he was talking about your ego. But if you understood the Hebrew alphabet, you'd understand the message of the Bible, and the message of the Bible would set you free. For he said, he who the Son says free is free indeed. It is the word that sets you free. The Hebrew words are, as I told you, even the Hebrew alphabet can be 10 different words, 100 different words at the same time. But if you put it together and get the message right, you will see what it is. So it's a message to each and every one of us. Every one of us have a part in that Bible if we'll read for it. But if we don't study to show ourselves to prove who we are, that a workman that need not be ashamed and don't understand how to rightly divide the word of truth, you're going to be lost. Not that I said it, the word said it. So this is why we have to search this thing daily. This is why I, I'm on the radio so I can uh, get you to look for yourself to where you can understand the Bible always interprets itself. It, is, it interprets signs and wonders. Signs are appointed times. Signs that uh, Jesus is coming back. Signs is what we're going to go through. Signs are the supernatural things. But also remember, they represent the natural things. So this is why we have to search and we have to read and have to be what it says, an, an all holy conversation and godliness. Looking for the day of God when he's coming back and the earth shall come back with a fervent heat. The elements will be on fire, but praise the Lord, we won't have to be one of them if we get up and go when God tells us, because we have word and we were prepared to go when he came. I want to finish this thing, so let's go to the 13th verse. It says, nevertheless, according to his promises, looking for a new heavens and a new earth where it dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you you looking for such thing, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. And according to, uh, according to that long suffering of the Lord is salvation. Even as our beloved bro brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written unto you. Now, this is Peter talking about Paul, the apostle. Paul had wisdom according to what was given to him. And uh, Peter pre preached mostly to the Jews, but he did preach to some Gentiles. And Paul preached to some Jews and mostly to the Gentiles. As I say, the main thing, they went out to make souls. The Bible says if the people had really read the Bible and studied, they would have known that whoever the Messiah is, he will come in like a lamb. He would, uh, his name would be forever. They thought they, by killing Jesus that it would stop people from talking about him. And look here, 2,000 years later, we're still talking about Jesus. We're talking about the disciples. We're talking about his word, and the word is him, and he is one. Then it says in the 16th verse, it says, As also in all of his epistles, means letters, speaking unto them of these things in which some of these things are hard to understand, which they are un which are to the unlearned and un stable, wrestles as they do with other scriptures until their own destruction.
In other words, you don't understand the message. You're going to be lost. How do you get it? Ask the Holy Spirit to help you. Ask the Holy Spirit, what does this word mean? When he said, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word, what does that mean? It means every word. Learn what every word means and that it could be substituted with something else until you get the understanding. It says wisdom is the principal thing. And with all your getting, get an understanding. Understand, understand, and they'll give you knowledge. And when everybody else is going through destruction, you'll be able to pray the prayer of faith to, to raise the sick, to heal the sick, to raise the dead even, if God uh, called for you to raise the dead. Each person cannot raise the dead. But if he gives it to you, the Holy Spirit will guide you through it. You'll be able to lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. You have to practice, practice, practice. How do you get to Carnegie Hall? You have to practice. Same thing with God. You have to practice. But I, I don't think God has given me the guilt. You won't know until you try. And you keep on trying and, and believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him until you receive the grace, until you receive the knowledge, until you receive the anointing. And then the anointing destroys, and the thing called glory creates. So when you get to the glory so that you can lay hands on the sick and create life back into them because God's word lives in you and greater is he that He in you than he who's in the world. It says if you submit yourself unto God and resist the devil, that he will flee from you. He didn't say you'll flee from God. He said flee from you. So the more you know, the stronger you become. The, more you, the stronger you become, the more the devil gets to running away from you. Don't speak to him as a little timid person. Jesus told me I have power over you. Please, devil, leave me alone. No. Be like a roaring lion. Devil, leave me alone. I'm about to whoop your ring in. I'm about to come in the spiritual realm. I know there's a natural realm, but there's also a spiritual realm. And I'll come in that spiritual realm with the word of God, the two-edged sword, Psalms 149, and I will cut you up. I'll cut up all your little demons under you. I will keep cutting until I get to the general and cut him. Threaten the devil. Stop letting him threatening you. Then it says in the 17th verse, you know, therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things before, beware, lest you also be led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, and the knowledge of the, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory. Glory creates both now and forever. Alamim, which means truth. We call it so be it. But in Hebrew, it means truth. This is the truth. You grow in knowledge, in grace, in knowledge of him. Him is the word to use the word to destroy the kingdom of darkness and to fulfill the creation of light, which is glory. Glory. So don't fall from steadfastness doing what's right for your reap in due season. Those things that God has put before us, those things that we have to learn, and those things will be blessing for us going in, blessing for us going out, being ahead and not the tail. Uh, Dorothy, do you have any questions? No, no questions from here. Um, I would no make comments? one comment, though. One comment, maybe two. Okay. okay. Um, when we are striving to become perfect and mature and holy, 
I think one of the best things to remember is that we can't do it by ourselves alone. We have to work in partnership mm-hmm. with with mm-hmm. our father and and remember that we're the clay and he's the potter. And that makes that mm-hmm. I mean you know, easier to do, or actually it makes it doable because without him, there mm-hmm. isn't any doable, you know? So, mm-hmm. well, well, one of the things is, you know, the Bible says that we're supposed to pray for one another. It says, like, yes. if anybody's sick, call for the elders of the church and let them anoint them with oil. But what it is, that's a, that's a metaphor, too, but it's also a, a, a literal thing. What it's trying to say is that. Those that are good should hang together. Birds of a feather flock together. Good birds will stay with good birds. Bad birds will stay with bad birds. You stay around bad birds, you'll pick up their their thing. But if you stay around good birds, then their good things will lead you or, or, as I say, good people instead of birds. Good people lead you to do what's good. When you feel a little weak, because like like the AA, what is it called? Uh, Alcoholic Anonymous, Drug Anonymous, and all them, they have sponsors, and they have somebody that they had to give a report to, and that's what helps them go through. God didn't let us be an island. God didn't say, I work with you by just me and you. He said that we're supposed to work one for another. We're supposed to pray one for another. If one who's falling down, we should be that other person lifting them up. But if we're not living right, how can I teach somebody else to live right? If I'm not living holy, how can I teach you how to live holy? But that's what I'm saying. We must help one another. That's what the Bible teaches us. We must show love one to another. Because just like in the scripture it says that uh, there's no way we can climb up to heaven and show God our love. I think it's in uh, I think it's uh, Psalms 15. We can't show God our love. But if we show love one to another, then we show that we love God and God gets the glory. God gives the glory because he's seeking and looking for somebody who understands. He's seeking somebody who received the message. He's seeking souls that want to obey. And that's what we are. We're supposed to learn to obey and to train somebody else. Just like in the churches, you have what they call the mother of the church. Now, a lot of times they say, well, they should be this and should be. Listen, women should teach women how to be women. That's why we got so much trouble now. The women that are not teaching the children, like the mother should be teaching the child. Well, I'm busy working. If I don't work, then nobody eats, and this and that and that, this. Well, the Bible says that women should teach women to be women. Men should teach men to be men. And if they're, if they're running short, God will send somebody to you. I, I'm a living witness. If he has to send a woman to a man or a man to a woman, and I don't mean for marriage or anything. Somebody will step in and help you. For our God is not slack in anything. And if he needs to send a supernatural being, that's why Hebrews, the 13th chapter says, be not forgetful to entertain strangers. For many has entertained angels unaware. They will come to your defense. The Bible says, uh, this poor man cried. And God heard him and delivered him from all his trouble. It also says that the angel of the Lord encamped about them that fear him and didn't leave that only. He said, and delivered them. 
So this is what we look for. We're looking to be around people that's going to encourage us. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, that was it. Dorothy? No, okay. that was it. Yeah, um, uh, <clears throat> I know a lot of people, excuse me, <clears throat> a lot of people get hung up on trying to do this on their own, and it's just not possible. Mm-mm. Nope. And I have people that I don't even speak to sometimes because I'm, I'm busy doing something else, but they're praying for me at all times. I couldn't do this uh, or remember those scriptures like I do unless there was somebody praying for me. Somebody's praying for me to, to be a success for everything I go after. Now, a lot of times I go through the valley of the shadow of death, but it says that he's with me, that I ride and that staff, they comfort me. And because I teach people to understand on a different level of the Bible, because God taught me the Bible. He taught me the first level. I had to tell you all that some other time. But he taught me on the first level. So I teach on a different level. And I taught a lady, her name is Denise LeBlanche. And I taught her about that rod and that staff, they comfort you. And she had uh, surgery recently, and it was affecting her back. And she said, supernaturally, she spoke into the word and said, I take the rod of the, of the word, and I put it in my back. And when she did that, her back was healed. As I tell people, there is no limit with God. There is no limit. When they tell you, do not use your imagination, the Bible says, cast down all imagination that exalt itself against the word. It did not tell you not cast down the imagination. It said exalt itself against the word. Some things you got to see in your mind. That's why uh, uh, Mark, the 11th chapter, and I think it's the 22nd verse, says have faith in God. Who is God? He is the word. He's, so that's who we got to have faith in. What does the word say? It says, if you can believe in your heart, and then see me in your mind, you can have it. Now, if you don't see, like when I get ready to pray for the sick, I have to see and believe in my mind that that person is going to get healed. I got to see and believe in my imagination that God is going to lay his hands over mine. And most times it's not imagination, it's really him laying his hand over mine. I was at a hospital and one of my cousins had a heart attack. The doctors ran in there, cold blue, and I said, can I pray for it first? In the natural, little doctor would have kicked my butt out of that room. But they said, go ahead. And I laid hands and prayed for him, and the heart attack stopped. I had a lady that was having uh, what they call seizures. And back in the old days, they used to take a spoon and put a rag around it, and then they put it in their mouth. And so they would bite down on that. I said, well, before you do that, can I lay hands on her and pray for this person? I had to see it in my imagination. I, that's the best word I can say, imagination. It's really past imagination. I had to see it in my mind that God's going to heal this woman. And I laid hands and prayed for her, and as soon as I did, she has never had another seizure since. Young man down in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, his name is, uh, they call him Blooper. But his last name is Rice. Uh, he had uh, uh, allergies, or uh, what they call asthma. After he, uh, after that demon manifested, and I prayed for that young man, and I laid hands on him, he has never had another asthma attack. But I had to first see it in my mind and believe what God is showing me, because the imagination, it's not me, it's part of God. It's, he's putting the thoughts in my mind. 
And as I started praying what I believed, what he was showing me, things happened. This lady had um, scoliosis. Her name is Linda. She goes to uh, Lakeland Church down there, Ignitus. And she has scoliosis. And she asked me if I'd pray for her. I said, yes, ma'am, I'll pray for you. I turned around. I prayed for her. I said, did you feel anything? She said, I didn't feel nothing. I said, it doesn't matter. God healed you. She went home and forgot to take her medicine because she still was doubting and forgot to take the medicine another three or four days. Then she got scared. She missed a week. Then she went on to the doctor, and the doctor checked her, and he said, I can't find it nowhere. And this has now been five years, and she's been free from scoliosis for five years now. I mean, lupus, lupus. She had lupus. But anyway, as I say, if you're willing to believe and look for the signs that God is who he says he is, and he's willing to help you, he's willing to teach you, he's willing to give to you, and remember, don't limit God. Well, he works for everybody else, but he won't work for me. Uh, he'll answer everybody else's prayer, but he won't answer mine. Sisters, will you pray for me? Brother, can you pray for me? Yes, but you're going to have to believe that their prayers and your prayer, not just their prayer, your prayer and their prayer are united as one and going to the Father. And you're breaking through the second heaven because your prayer has got to get through the second heaven to get to the third heaven. That's why the Bible says, and you get help with your prayers. That's something that most preachers don't know. Uh, they don't teach if they do know that you get help with your prayers. If you had to look at Jacob's letter, it said he saw the angels ascending and descending. In other words, they were going up with your prayer. They helped fight get through the second heaven so your prayer could be presented. Then they fight to come back down to bring you the answer. That's why Michael said, I mean, not Michael, but Gabriel said, uh, Daniel, he said, look, God heard your prayer from the first day you prayed because he was here on this earth. The angel was there. And he took he took your prayer up, and he said, as soon as he got the prayer there, the prayer was being answered, and he sent me back down with the answer. And it took me these many days fighting through the king of the prince of Persia. And he said he was so held up. But you got to remember what was going on. Daniel was praying at that time, praying without ceasing. Even if he got sick, he was continuing to pray. And uh, Michael saw what was going on. Michael came down, got into the fight with the Prince of Persia that left uh, Michael, I mean, Gabriel a chance to get away, and he gave him the answer to what he was seeking. So it was just like that. And I'm, as I say, I, I want to pray for all the people right now that you will receive revelation knowledge. That is the most important thing. Even Pete, uh, Paul said, I pray that you have revelation knowledge. In other words, not to be in the natural, but get into the spiritual. So, dear Heavenly Father, as I come before the throne room of grace and mercy and peace and love and the Holy Spirit, bringing you the people that I've been talking to, those that heard the word over the radio, I pray that they heard it over the TV, wherever uh, way they was able to understand it, I pray that they'll get revelation knowledge, that they'll get a new understanding of how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God operates on words. It operates on thoughts. It operates on uh, thought, speak, and action, which is the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, which means hey, hey, hey. When the, children, when the people came to get Jesus, he spoke the Hebrew alphabet. He said, I am hey, or hey, and they fell back because the glory of God was on those words. So I asked them to receive that revelation knowledge. Do not limit God. 
that they'll be ready that in these last and evil days, which we already learned the signs has pointed, we're in the last days. We're in the last days now. And it's got to close out before uh, 2048. And you said you would shorten the days that, that all flesh would not be destroyed. So it could be any time that you could bring us, bring us to you and give us knowledge and understanding on how to be ready to leave this place with your son to go back to heaven. Father, I thank you because you hear our prayer. I thank you because you're so kind and so good and so wonderful. When they say praise God, it don't mean praise God, praise God, praise God, but speak to him according to who he is. He is the great king. He's the wonderful father. He's the great shepherd. He's the wonderful shepherd. He's the mighty shepherd. He's the one, the king of glory. Describing by praising him with the words of our mouth and the testimony that comes out that God is not dead, but he's yet alive, and that the devil is defeated, and we are triumphant and overcomers. Like whatever kept us back yesterday can't keep us today. Whatever is coming against us tomorrow, we'll overcome it and keep on going by the blood of the Lamb. For the blood, the blood of Jesus speaks. The blood of Jesus has a sound, a blood of Jesus that breaks the devil's mind, keeps him confused, that he'll leave us alone and run from us because he lives in us. Greater is he who's in us than he who's in the world. I carefully give you the praise, the glory, and the honor, Father. In your son's name, Yahshua HaMashiach, I let the blessings go for all the people, and I say, Aleph Mim, or Amen. Truth, truth, truth. Well... You got anything else to say, Dorothy? No, I'm good. Um, I, I suppose I should tell people there is a forum that we have that has a um, thread for prayer requests if anyone needs prayer. And uh, okay. has a lot of good, good teachings on there. I put all the teachings from the channel on there, and then I do a little, a few more teachings from everywhere. So All right. Uh, but, let's say, uh, I could, thank you I for could, inviting yeah, me I on could. the broadcast. I'm so glad you accepted. And I'll be talking to you again soon and, and see what the Lord has me to teach next week. But it's it's basically the same, signs, wonders, and miracles. Our God is a miracle-working God. <laughs> uh I know I never get tired of all the different aspects of signs, wonders, and miracles. So I'm looking mm-hmm. forward to the next teaching. <clears throat> so Father bless everyone. Yeah. And y'all have a good couple of weeks. And you have a blessed night, Pastor James. You too. And happy they say some people say happy holidays, some people say Merry Christmas. I say both. <laughs> Have a blessed day. Show love. It ain't Amen. about the presence, it's all about the love. Amen. Amen. So until next week, I'll talk to you later. God bless. Good night, everybody.